Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's officially game week and Sunbelt football season kicks off tomorrow night in Atlanta when Georgia State takes on Rhode Island. Well, Caden, this officially marks the end of our offseason. We talked to 49 guests, recorded 57 episodes, and had over 10,000 listeners. Plus, we're the only Sunbelt podcast to provide exclusive football content all offseason long. What a journey it's been, partner. It's been great, man. What a ride it's been. And I think just the highlights of it, you have to think about us talking to everyone from reporters on the ground to the athletic directors at these schools at the highest level, the coaches, the players, and everyone in between. I just love the knowledge we were able to share with our audience, that knowledge we were able to learn this season. And now that it all culminates towards the actual year at actually watching football, actually watching the X's and O's play out, just really excited to see all of the offseason work that these teams have put in finally get put into fruition to be able to cover that instead of covering kind of the anticipation of what's going to happen this year. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I feel like we are both coming into this season with a, a much expanded knowledge base. I think back to a year ago, almost today, where we were sitting down recording our first uh, week one preview episode, and now we're going to record episode 109 today, and we're getting set for our second year covering the league. So certainly it's been a, it's been a fun journey, Caden, and it's been a lot of fun uh, doing it with you. Well, before we get to today's episode, we wanted to tell you about our last, the 13th in our 14-part season preview series where we spoke with Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie about the upcoming season for the Old Dominion Monarchs. If you missed it or any of our season preview episodes, we recorded almost 12 hours already. Make sure you go back and give them a listen. Today on episode 109 of the show, we are excited to finish our season preview series. This time we're talking the Arkansas State Red Wolves and head coach Butch Jones is going to join us in a moment. The Red Wolves, Caden, they finished last year 3-9 and nine in Butch Jones' second year in Jonesboro. They've won just five games across the last two seasons. Caden, A-State has experienced nearly total roster turnover in the past two years. They've had back-to-back top-ranked recruiting classes in the Sun Belt. This is still a young team overall, though. Caden, is this the year we start to see growth once again from one of the Sun Belt West's former kind of powers? It definitely could be when you just look at this team on paper. I think back to our conversation with Coach Bowden at ULM. Butch is in a very similar situation as far as now he's at that point where this is the turning point usually where we see these guys at their previous stops be able to turn some things around and actually get their culture embedded in getting their rosters that they've really been looking for since their arrival. So I think when you look at this team on paper, definitely the most talented group they've had across the board. It's just going to really come down to can they execute and can their coaches put their players that are now more talented than they've ever been in Jonesboro in the right positions to hopefully rattle off some more wins than we're accustomed to seeing from this squad. Red Wolves fans are certainly hoping that a a turnaround or at least improvement is coming here in the third year under Butch Jones. Well, as promised on today's episode, we're talking Arkansas State football. Butch Jones is in the house. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Jones. Well, we are really excited to have Arkansas State head coach Butch Jones on the Ferrari and Smith podcast for the first time. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Well, always great to see you guys and appreciate the opportunity. Well, Coach, we will jump right in. Uh, looking back to summer, you and your staff were running camps. You guys were recruiting. Uh, you got to spend some time with family. How did you use that downtime? Well, first of all, uh, it was an exciting time in the Jones family. 
So uh, my oldest son, Alex, who played for us at Tennessee, and he coaches here with us at Arkansas State, got married. So uh, we had had to head back to Knoxville, and he got married. So we spent a lot of family time in July uh, going through the wedding and the wedding plans and being part of that and just trying to relax a little bit. But, you know, as much as you relax still the season and, and what's ahead of you always is kind of in the back of your mind and you're always working through things. Well, Coach, we're glad you got that family time this season. But now that we look ahead to the seasons, we want to ask you a question that we asked a lot of your players during media days. Um, two wins in 2021, three wins last season. Now as you enter your third season at the helm with your culture more established than ever and tons of talent across your roster, why is this the season that Arkansas State maybe takes that leap and takes that jump? Well, I think, you know, you step back and, you know, we've done this. This is our fourth time of doing uh, this, of taking over a program, whether it's been Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Tennessee, and now Arkansas State. So I think when you take over a football program, no two programs are ever the same. Um, so there's different nuances, different reasons, uh, personnel, a culture, mentality, all that. So, you know, really the first year, uh, to be very candid with you, we were just showing up and playing football games. We really weren't growing and developing. I think we had 46 players in a developmental lift, and the, they were all walk-ons and players in their last seasons of eligibility. And there's only two players that even remain on our football team from that first year. So really year one was year zero. Uh, we were basically, I took a year and just said, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to evaluate the culture. I'm going to evaluate everything around. We're going to take our time. We're going to build this thing the right way, and it's going to be painful. But we're going to go through the growing pains and really grow and develop this program. And those are the things that I think at the three previous stops, you kind of learn as you go. And uh, so really year two is, is or t year three rather is year two. And uh, so really the way I look at it, we're embarking on on year two. And we've made a point to do it through the high school recruiting ranks, supplement it with the transfer portal. We've been very fortunate to stack two top back-to-back -back recruiting classes. And I have a hard time fighting this still because when I refer to, well, they're older players in the program, they're still really only going on their second year in college football. So we only have 11 seniors on our roster. So we're still the third youngest team, youngest team in America. But, uh, you know, our culture is in place. Our principles and values are in place. Our work capacity is in place. Uh, we have great competitive people. We may be extremely young still, but they're very, very competitive. So I like the mindset and the mental disposition of this football team. Coach, this is going to be the first year during your tenure in Jonesboro that you're not going to have James Blackman as your quarterback one. Uh, you're coming from a press conference where you just announced Colorado transfer JT Shrout as your starting quarterback against Oklahoma. What was that competition like throughout the fall and what ultimately tipped the scales in JT's favor? Yeah, it was a fierce competition. And I said it when we reported to training camp. We weren't just looking to find a starting quarterback. We needed all three individuals, whether it was J.T. Shrout, whether it was Jackson Daly or Jalen Rayner, to continue to grow and get better and elevate their games. And all three individuals did that. Uh, really, all three uh, could have started. Um, you know, Jackson Daly is a young man who we were able to redshirt last year but play in a number of games uh, but still be able to maintain and keep his redshirt. I think he benefited from that. Uh, he's grown exponentially in our program. 
but I think it was a little bit of the experience that JT brings about and just a little bit more uh, higher level of consistency. Uh, but again, you know, JT's an individual, if you look at his journey to Jonesboro, is, you know, his season ended abruptly at Colorado with an injury. So he had to rehab from the injury, did not have spring football. So really the first time he had put pads on was in training camp in a very, very extended period of time. So we also have to be patient with him, with his growth and his development of really getting back into playing competitive football. But all three individuals, they'll continue to compete. Uh, we're going to need all three individuals. As we all know, the teams that manage the natural adversities of a long football season usually like where they end up being come December and January. Well, we're anticipating one of JT's favorite targets this season will be Corey Rucker. I had to guard him in my career. I do not recommend it. He's a fantastic player. He's back in the fold. After you didn't shut him down? <laughs> I did not. He has too much room in the slot to work with. I did not shut him down. But he spent that season at South Carolina. It's a rarity to see a player now come back to their original school. What were those conversations like regarding his return? And what does he almost re-bring and reintroduce to this offense? Well, I think, first of all, uh, Corey is kind of in the same predicament of JT. You know, Corey's season ended abruptly, uh, very quickly at South Carolina with a season-ending injury. So he went through all rehab there and then coming here, the same thing, and did not have spring football. Uh, played very sparingly. So, again, he's working his way back in the – into the form of Corey Rucker from two years ago and also in game shape. Uh, but, you know, Corey's an individual. When he was here, uh, we were extremely close. He did everything that we asked of him in our program. And uh, when he called and asked if he could come back, uh, I thought he earned the right to be able to do that. And I think it's a great lesson, you know, with the world of transfer portal is here's a young man who had everything going for him. Uh, was the face of the program, basically. Everybody in Jonesboro, he could be the, the mayor of Jonesboro. Everybody knew who he was. He was loved by our fan base. And then he decides that bigger is better and he can go somewhere. And he gets there and he realizes, you know what? I had a unique situation at Arkansas State. I had people that genuinely cared about me. And uh, I think he missed the family environment. I think he missed you know, probably the familiarity that he had with the players and the staff uh, in the community. So I think that's what led him back. And I thought he he had earned that right by his body of work of what he did when he was here. Well, Coach, I know that Caden and I are both excited to watch him get back out on the football field. Staying at that position, your 36-person signing class, you brought in seven wide receivers, uh, more than any other position this offseason. What made that such a priority to this offseason? And who are some playmakers outside of Rucker that you have high hopes for heading into the year? Well, it gets back to really the previous moment in our conversation when we talked about, you know, year one being year zero and really sitting back and evaluating that we needed to change a culture in the receiver room. We needed to, uh, you know, add some depth, add some competitive depth and really build our receiving core from ground zero. So we made a point to uh, supplement it with the transfer portal, uh, bringing in some individuals that had really good careers at other places, but also really try to build for the future as well uh, with a freshman class and bringing in the inordinate amount of freshmen that we brought in. It's still, uh, you know, ever go, ever evolving, but I'm excited to where that group is. I think you have a mixture of, you know, some returning high character individuals like Reagan Ely, 
who's done a lot. Adam Jones has done a lot in the program. Then you bring Corey Rucker back. Uh, you know, then you bring in Jackson, a receiver from Syracuse, and we've been really, really excited about him. High competitive young man, high ceiling for us. So again, they start to compete, and then what happens is, is it elevates the play of your youngsters that you bring in as true freshmen. So again, I've been excited and encouraged by that room. Uh, we're going to need the leadership of the Corey Ruckers and the Reagan Ely's and moving forward. Uh, but I've been excited about the progression of that room. In a similar token, Coach, on the offensive line, it seemed like that was also a position of emphasis, but more so through the transfer portal. I think it's safe to say this is the most size and depth you've had on the O-line since you've been there. At this time last year, this unit struggled to pave the way from time to time and protect the quarterback as well. What gives you confidence that you'll see improvement up front this fall from that unit? Well, you're exactly right. We've been able to improve our size and our stature there. We're still in the process of, you know, developing competitive depth and quality depth. You know, a lot of our, our players, again, it gets back there in year one or year two. And as we all know, the offensive line is a developmental position. But it really all starts with Jacob Bear, our center uh, transfer from Lamar. He's come in in January and he's basically galvanized that room. Uh, he's a leader of that room. He's one of the leaders on our football team. He's one of the leaders on the offensive side of the ball. So I think when you add him and then you add Jalen Cunningham, a transfer from Ole Miss with his size and his stature, uh, you know, so there's a lot of individuals there. McKeelan Thomas has played a lot of football for us, but again, he's only, you know, coming off one year of being a starter. So he's really in his second year. He redshirted. He was in our first signing class and we were able to redshirt him his first season. So when you look at it, we're still very relatively young. But again, it's a group that's very prideful. And, uh, you know, it's night and day from where we've been in that room. Coach, uh, you know, looking at that offensive line, how much now because of the strength there do you see wanting to run this football this off or this fall? Well, it's, it's a byproduct of everybody up front, and it's not just that, but it's a group of tight ends. It's a group of running backs, uh, and we're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged in this league. Uh, you know, we have some very imposing defensive fronts. You look at the upper tier or the upper echelon of this conference, uh, they're bonded by one commonality, and that's the defensive front. Um, you know, their, their, their programs are really based on the lines of scrimmage. This is a line of scrimmage league. I think college football is a line of scrimmage game. But, uh, you know, I'm excited also, encouraged about our running back room. The addition of Zach Wallace via the transfer portal from UT Martin has really added uh, another dimension, uh, another uh, part of the size component that we talk about with the ability to run the football. Jaquez Cross is an individual who had transferred here a year ago from Purdue. His leaps and bounds, he's not the same Jaquez Cross when he came here. Brian Sneed, we're working to get him healthy. Uh, we have a dynamic freshman in Cedric Hawkins. And then Mike Sharp has been an individual that's been a great role player for us uh, as a true freshman last year. So I think it's a combination of all those units on offense working together. Receiving core is a big part of that, too, and how our style of play and how we block on the perimeter. Well, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of exciting pieces on offense heading into the fall. Switching sides of the ball, that defensive line struggled to generate pressure at times last season. You're not going to have your sack leader and Kevon Bennett back, uh, who's in the CFL. What are your expectations for this team from a pass rushing perspective? And who are you expecting to see kind of step into that leadership role this season? Yes, I think our defensive front is ever evolving. Uh, the term I would use is we're still work in progress. Uh, 
But, you know, we have an individual in the name of Kieran Crawford, who, again, is only in his second year of our program. And he's an individual who really started playing football his junior year of high school. So he's learning as, as we go. But he brings a speed element. He brings a style of play element. Ethan Hassler is our other defensive end now who was in our first signing class who now has experience and has played a lot of football for us. But make no mistake about it, I think the success of this football team will be how we play up front defensively, particularly at the defensive tackle position. At that linebacker spot, Coach Malik Straker had a great season last year, and me and Noah are expecting him to take another leap and build on that this year. But who are some other names maybe from that linebacker spot that you're expecting some big things out of? I know I have my own Gavin Potter, the Kansas linebacker y'all brought in that had a ton of proven production at that Big 12 level. Well, Char Willekes is our starting Mike backer. And uh, Char came here as a walk-on out of Michigan State. And, again, he's one of the leaders. Uh, Our players respect him. He gets us lined up. He's kind of the cerebral type for us. Uh, We're going to have to start a a young player in Javante Mackey out of Memphis. So, uh, you know, he's grown exponentially. Last year, again, when I refer to an older player, he's second year in our program. And he's another young man that really didn't start playing football to his junior year. So it's going to kind of be a linebacker by committee, but Malik Stryker uh, brings you know, a level of experience for us being a starter last year and coming in here and has a motor and has an energy that our players feed off of. So I think that's going to be important. And I think the other thing as we move forward, uh, we have a lot of freshmen right now that may not quite be ready for Oklahoma in week one, but we're hoping that, you know, through we continue to grow and develop them that they may be ready by week three, week four, week five. And that's what we have to put our eyes down the road is how can we continue to grow and elevate these young men? Well, coach, because of Caden's background playing safety at App State, we always have to talk secondary on this podcast. Uh, you're bringing back veterans in Travion Thomas, Justin Parks, who we got to talk to at Media Day and really enjoyed speaking with him. Along with some experienced corners, you've also got some exciting new additions through the portal. Are you expecting this secondary to be that best part of your defense this season? Well, they're going to need to be. I think, first of all, from a schematic standpoint, we ask a lot of our corners of being in press technique and being able to play press man, basically, and press quarters and then be able to cover three and do some different things there. So we've really made an emphasis in the back end of our defense, particularly at corner. And then when you have Justin Parks, who's one of the leaders of your football team, Eddie Smith has played a lot of football, Travian Thomas, with which you just mentioned. Um, And then we have some talented young players, Brandon Griles, an individual out of Little Rock, who's a true freshman who we fully anticipate uh, playing, being a key contributor in the back end of our defense. So there's a lot of individuals that will have ample opportunities to perform, but uh, it is, that has to, to be kind of the calming, the stability force of our defense. Well, and with this coach, your team kicks off the season just a few days when you face Oklahoma and Norman. What is the message you want to send to the Arkansas State fan base? Why should they come out and support this year's team other than having a sick stadium that has waterfalls in the corners that I always love playing at? Well, I tell you what, we do have a special place and we have a unique place. And, uh, you know, we talk about being a community team, being a Northeast Arkansas football team. And, uh, you know, our players have really embedded themselves in the community. That's part of our culture. And so really uh, the heightened awareness of them within, you know, the youngsters of our community. But I think it's a team that is blue collar. That's really going to kind of play off of the state of Arkansas, 
Jonesboro, Northeast Arkansas, blue collar people who work really hard that are extremely connected. Um, so I'm excited for them to see the progress that we've made uh, with this football team in a very short period of time. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate your time today. Wishing you and your team the best of luck as you guys embark on this 2023 season. You guys are the best and always great talking with you and Wolves up. Dane, what a fun conversation there with Butch Jones. I had not talked to him prior to this interview. I came away liking him and am excited about what he's trying to do. It's taking some time, uh, but to turn around a program, it often does take time. Yeah, definitely enjoyed our first conversation with Coach Jones, and I think you just got to appreciate his honesty and the insight he gave us as far as their loading process and their rebuild. He was very frank about where they started off to where they are now. And I think that just is a point of excitement and a point of the players and the culture and just the people on the outside as well in that program to look at and think that brighter days are ahead. And hopefully that this season starts those brighter, day, brighter days with this program. And I thought it was interesting, you know, again, in almost in a moment of self-reflection, um, you know, afterwards, we talked to him a little bit about if he feels some pressure, uh, you know, heading into this third year. And, you know, he said, obviously, I've experienced pressure at, at Tennessee and Alabama, other stops along the way, Caden. But it was interesting because it sounded like to him it was personal a little bit that he wants to turn this a program around, not only for the people, but the community, the institution, the players, he said. There's no quick fixes to, you know, turning this program around. And it's it's been a process, but he wants to start seeing those positive steps forward. Yeah, any quick fixes you see across college football, whether that's Tennessee or some of the other top programs you see, it, it's once in a million. It's very rare that you're able to do that. And most rebuilds look much more like they look at Arkansas State. And having a coach like Butch Jones, who has experience at the SEC level, at the top level of college football, he can kind of come into this program with kind of more calmness kind of more relaxedness knowing what it takes to really get to that level and you can tell that he definitely has an appreciation for the culture there he's trying to get them back to the winning ways that we saw in the past in the Sunbelt Conference and it's not like he's taking his time or doing anything like that he definitely has a sense of urgency as far as how he's doing his job but I feel like his understanding of what it takes for a rebuild is definitely where this team might have a leg up on some other teams who are maybe trying to create some newfound momentum within the Sunbelt Conference this year. Caden, to your point, I mean, two back-to-back top-ranked recruiting classes in the Sunbelt Conference. I think A-State fans, though, would just like to start to see that translate into wins and certainly hoping maybe this is the year that happens. Caden, last year, Arkansas State, they they finished 3-9. and nine. They go just 1-7 in Sunbelt play, finishing last in that West Division. This is a program that recorded five or more wins in Sunbelt play in both 2018 and 2019. Their only win last year came at home against ULM in conference play. There were some narrow defeats to Southern Miss and Texas State sprinkled into that schedule last year. Caden, is this a team that's it's it's looking to take a step back into contention, and are you expecting them to do that this year? I kind of am. I think when you look at you just kind of perfectly mapped it out as far as what a team would need to rebuild and what a team would need to do to get in that position. They're bridging the gap with some of the other conference opponents. And they're finally getting to that point where the recruiting classes are reflecting what they want to. I think 
this is now the time to see if those recruits from previous classes can step up, develop, and do what they have to do to prepare themselves to play. And then really getting into this season, seeing if you can continue to bridge that gap between some of the other teams in the West that have also struggled, maybe get wins over Southern Miss, get wins against Texas State versus teams you've lost to in the past, and maybe turn some things around for this program. So I think on paper, they have the capability to do it. I think at the end of the day in Jonesboro, the key to their success is just going to be all about execution this year and years leading forward as they look to rebuild this program. I feel like another big key, Kate, and we'll talk about it now, is this Arkansas State offense. It was in the bottom half of the league in most statistical categories a season ago. They averaged just 25 points a game and were one of two teams, Old Dominion being the other, to average under 100 yards rushing per game. James Blackman's gone after using up his eligibility. He's playing in the NFL. You're also down star running back Johnny Lang as well. Corey Rucker, though, comes back, and that overall depth at the wide receiver position is pretty good this season. Caden, how can offensive coordinator Kevin Heckendorf get this team back to the team that we saw average almost 33 points a game from 2017 to 2021? It all is going to come back to execution from here with this team. You look at the roster they have now, and they have the talent to back up some of their play now and kind of reverse some of the play they've seen in the past. When you look at their previous offensive lines and some of the skill position units that they were putting out there, very easy to attack that offensive line, very easy for a defense to have its way. And that's where everything starts for an offense. And I think if they can improve in that area, it'll be infectious and just contagious to the rest of their offense. And if they have more pieces to just use as weapons in this offense, you look in the past, they have maybe one receiver, one tight end, one running back, one playmaker that you can kind of zero in on. If you can start the offensive line and develop that unit and make them stronger, and also have weapons outside of just one person to deal with, I think that's when you can maybe start seeing this offense take sleep. So I think for this offensive coordinator and for this entire offensive staff, it's going to really be about leaning into their strengths, hopefully having better offensive line play, hopefully having more playmakers to use at their disposal week in and week out. Yeah, certainly the uh, kitchen cupboard a little bit more full heading into the season than in maybe the previous two seasons. Caden, as mentioned earlier, James Blackman is gone. He was the team's starting quarterback over the last two seasons. He just signed a new contract with the Dolphins after being waived earlier in training camp due to some injuries. JT Shrout was the big transfer this offseason coming in from Colorado after starting seven games last year. This room also has Jackson Daly. You've got Jalen Rayner in it. And the competition for this role, that QB1 role, was said to be fierce this offseason. Caden, Coach Jones announced JT would get the start against Oklahoma. He missed the spring with injury, but we've been told he had a great fall camp. What are your expectations for JT Shrout heading into the year? I think JT's a big body guy who's experienced at the Power 5 level from his time at Tennessee and Colorado, but I just cannot look at him compared to James Blackman and call this an upgrade. I know that, you, as you mentioned, James Blackman's a guy who made it to the final cuts of Miami Dolphins training camp, which is very impressive at the quarterback's position. And he did, he did just fine for this team the past two seasons. Nothing really spectacular, but he wasn't really surrounded by anything spectacular. He was sacked 35 times, which was the second most in the conference. And his tight end last year seemed to be the only target that he truly clicked with. He was efficient with the Rock, and he wasn't so great to like elevate this offense to new heights. But when you look at what JT Stroud bring to the table, can you say that he can do that too? It's just really hard to say and tough to kind of forecast that. You look at him and he was in, if you put James Blackman in the same shoes, I think at Colorado and Tennessee, I think something similar happens. And I think it's kind of going to be the same situation at Arkansas State this year. This guy had seven touchdowns and eight interceptions 
last year on a 44% completion percentage. At Tennessee, he had five touchdowns and three interceptions in his career there. Just not great and not efficient play, and it was for losing teams. So you have to kind of be worried about that as he heads into a program that's had a losing culture the last couple of weeks. In his defense, Colorado was 1-8 and eight that last year. Tennessee was 3-7 and seven the year he got the most snaps. So I'm not saying that it's all on him, but I think when you look at what he was surrounded with and maybe what he's with, surrounded with now, I think the question is going to be about can he be more efficient and can he get more help around him? This team had a massive overhaul, like we've mentioned, both through high school and through recruiting at the transfer portal level. But I just have to use look at this move as at max a lateral move. We're going to, I hope he proves us wrong. I hope that he all of a sudden is more efficient than he's proven in the past. And I hope that he has more of weapons to surround him and that he's better protected than James Blackman was this year. But they're just going to have to show me this year. I think given what he's done in the past and given what we've seen in this position in the past, I just can't call it an upgrade of the position. But hopefully some people around him can pick him up. And hopefully he bounced back from that injury well, too. I think that definitely was a little bit discouraging, too, especially when you talk about the Georgia Southern system of quarterbacks where they've had quarterbacks start in the spring and have a whole entire offseason to get that chemistry. He doesn't have that. He's coming off an injury off an industry and he wasn't necessarily the most efficient quarterback at his other stop. So hoping for the best for him. I hope he proves me wrong, but I just can't see it as more than a lateral move in Jonesboro quarterback. Yeah, definitely will be interesting. And Caden, I think it is a great point. I mean, we do hope he proves us wrong here, but there just isn't a ton of track record in terms of success. Could he be an elevator potentially? And I think that that would go a long way to back to what we were talking about of seeing this offense become something more powerful. If he can do that, Okay, let's skip to wide receivers for a moment before getting back to the running back room. Corey Rucker is the headliner in this group. He was the team's leading receiver in 2021 and an all-Sun Belt honoree before leaving for South Carolina for the 2022 season. He's back in the fold now, although guys like Sadu Treor and Champ Flemings are gone, though. Uh, their top two offensive weapons, those were those guys last year. Jeff Foreman, Adam Jones, and tight end Emmanuel Stevenson are still around for this team. They do love the Syracuse transfer, Courtney Jackson. Plus, Kane, you mentioned they brought in a lot of new faces in that top-ranked recruiting class. I think it was seven wide receivers in total. Do you think this group can be improved this year? I think they can be, and all centers around the return of Rucker. The good news is that he was a surefire wide receiver, one for this team in the past, and that one lone breakout season he had but I think the bad news about that is even in 2021 when he had 800 yards and nine touchdowns this team was too intense so he's going to need some help and I think there's going to be a lot of responsibility on him but the more help he can get from other guys the better I think the biggest what if of this offense is Seydou Trehori leaving it's a shame because he was this le team's leading pass catcher last season I think he would have paired great with Rucker as a tight end and a wide receiver duo and I think it's especially a shame because he was a part of that Colorado mass exodus he goes to Colorado he has the transfer out of there now he's at Mississippi State with former App State offensive coordinator Kevin Barbet so a full circle sunbelt moment then but you mentioned Flemings is gone, but Foreman stays. I'm really glad they were able to at least keep one of those guys from last season. And Courtney Jackson, the tr Syracuse transfer, is a guy I definitely have my eye on this season. He actually has some of the best proven production at the position entering the conference this year. He played a ton in the slot for Syracuse. He was also big in the return game as a return man, a speedy guy who can take the top off of the offense and also be explosive in the return game, very similar to how Johnny Lang was last season. But you mentioned they bring a slew in a freshman a slew of freshmen in in this year's class. I believe it's five guys. And I think in this day and age, when you bring in five freshman wideouts, it's not, it's kind of expected and maybe one of them can play immediately and one of them can pop just given the nature of the position and the talent there. So I'm intrigued if this unit can improve overall. It sure looks like they can 
on paper. But as we mentioned before, a lot of other stuff is going to have to go right for this, whether it's at the quarterback position, whether it's offensive line, and even establishing a run game to kind of work off of. So on paper, yes, I think this can be an improved unit, but they're going to have to rely on some other pieces of this offensive clicking for sure. I told you we'd come back to running back. Uh, you mentioned Johnny Lang. You've also got Brian Sneed, who kind of, those were guys who led the charge last year. They combined for 700 yards in nine touchdowns a season ago. Lang is gone. Sneed has battled injuries this offseason. You bring in Zach Wallace, who's a new face from UT Martin. He was first team all Ohio Valley last year, running for over 1,000 yards and in, in, uh, multiple touchdowns. Jaquez Cross and Mike Sharp are expected to provide depth at that position as well. Plus, Caden, this group is going to be running in front of uh, an offensive line unit that's new and, and greatly improved. It's led by Lamar transfer Jacob Bear at center. With improved offensive line play, Caden, and some consistency out of that running back room, I am expecting to see a much improved rushing attack this year in Jonesboro. Yeah, they have to get better after last season. I would say this is where the team needed its biggest upgrade when you just tandem the offensive line and the running back position. They ran the ball the least amount of times last season, and they did it poorly. They were the worst team in the league when it came to rushing, getting just 88 yards per ground on the, on the <laughs> per game last season. Johnny Lang is gone after being their leading rusher. He was one of their few off-conference players, mainly for his returnability, but he only had 419 yards last season, and 120 of them came versus Grambling. This is a team that only averaged 2.8 yards per game on the ground last season. So something's got to give, and something's got to get them to improve this year. And I think they needed a detox at offensive line and running back, and they got it. Lang was good in space, clearly through his special teams work, but he couldn't get any space, and that was because of the offensive line play. He's gone along with their third-leading rusher, their second-leading rusher, Sneed, like you mentioned, return Zach Wallace from UT Martin over a thousand yard guy so I think they have a trio or a foursome of backs that can work solidly with them I know they have some young guys they're feeling good about as coach Jones mentioned but on the offensive line they lose four starters which is typically like a bad thing but I think for this team it might be a good thing especially when you look at what they gained they gave up 38 sacks last season and that slew of transfers now comes in with that trio from Ole Miss and Jacob Bayer like you mentioned from Lamar who's going to head things up and kind of be that point guard at center, it seems like, which I think will be huge for this offense. If he's able to get their protections right and get things right at that center position, I think that can take this line a very long way. They have some high schoolers they brought in that might have some potential as well. But I think when you look at this unit between the running backs, between the offensive line, it's really going to come down to new offensive or former their offensive line coach, Andy Kwan, and their new running backs coach, Marquise Lovings, really executing at a high level, figuring out who their best unit is and their best kind of collective group and going from there. I think they have more talent than they've ever had in the past, but I think it's going to be all about, like I mentioned before, execution with the most talent you've ever had now looking into the season. Kane, crazy stat for you real quick on that offensive line. When Coach Jones got to Jonesboro, they had just one offensive lineman over 300 pounds. This year, they will have 11 uh, heading into the season on the roster. Let's switch sides to that defensive side of the ball, and that's an area that the Red Wolves really struggled in 2022. They allowed over 31 points a game, which was their actually their lowest total since 2018, but it was good for 11th in the Sun Belt. Uh, this defensive line really struggled at times to provide adequate pressure. You're losing your leading sack artist, Kevon Bennett, who is now playing in the CFL. You're also losing guys like John Mincy, T.W. Ayers on that defensive line. You do get Ethan Hassler back at defensive end. You've got Thurman Gethers as well. Plus, Kane, they brought in guys like Micah Bland and Nate Marti uh, from the transfer portal. Denard Flowers is also expected to see an expanded role. Kane, this unit is similar in terms of experience this year, but they're losing their top guy, which definitely has to hurt them. 
Yeah, Bennett is a huge loss. He was one of, like I mentioned before, their few off-conference players they had last season. He led this team in sacks, and he led their defensive line in tackles. They also lose some key starters on that defensive line. So I think it will look like a very different unit, but I did like what they bring in. You mentioned Micah Bland is a super experienced grad transfer from both Louisville and North Alabama. North Alabama, he had a ton of starts under his belt as 22 in his 20 or in his two seasons with the team. So I have big expectations there. And Nate Marti, who comes in with some experience as well from Princeton. I think their interior defensive line is definitely getting an experience upgrade as far as what they're going to be able to do. And I think around them, then the question comes, how are those edge rushers and defensive ends going to look? You mentioned Denard Flowers, Ethan Hassler, Thurman Geithers. They all return at those end spots. The question is going to be who's going to be able to step up. It sounds like they're going to have that help in the interior, but can they get that presence like Bennett gave them on the edge to where they have a guy that's consistently applying pressure, getting sacks and TFL. So I think their unit kind of looks similar as far as experience and what they brought to the table last year. The question is going to be, can some different faces maybe apply some pressure on the edges and increase that sack total and that pressure on those quarterbacks in the conference? Yeah, certainly would be their desire to create a little bit more havoc in the backfield heading into the year. Kane, real quickly, talking linebackers and the back end of this defense, that is an area that this team is bringing back a decent amount of experience. You look at at the linebacker position, you've got Malik Straker back, and then you know you bring in the Kansas transfer, Gavin Potter, who has a lot of starts to his name, had a strong 2021 season for Kansas. Then on that back end, you've got Sammy Johnson, you've got Justin Parks. You also bring back Travion Johnson at that free safety position. Caden, five of the six returning starters for this team are at the linebacker spot or at that defensive back spot. I think that we can expect that these two te- these two units really have to lead the charge to help this defense improve this year. Definitely. I think they have a good combination of experience coming back from last year and some new blood that can hopefully push the competition. And it all starts with Malik Straker. He coming back for this team was huge. We expect his production to take yet another jump this season. Now that he's a senior, he knows the defense better than he ever has. I thought Jaden Harris was going to be performing returning to this linebacker core. I did not see his name on the roster. So that is going to probably add some more competition. But my biggest worry about this linebacking unit heading into this season was, are they going to have guys that knew the defense well and had some experience? But hearing from Coach Jones that a guy like Charles Wilkes is now going to be that middle linebacker who he said is a very cerebral player who knows what he's doing and is going to get this defense lined up, I think is going to be very exciting for this unit. If you have a middle linebacker to make the calls for you, get everybody on the defense on the right page, playing on a string and playing on the same page, I think that can take a defense that might not be as talented a long way. And I think now that this defense is a little bit more talented in certain areas, that can maybe stretch them out and maybe make them better at the linebacking unit and kind of be infectious to that defensive line and that back end. But you talk about the back end, definitely a lot of change there and a lot of new faces, but I think a lot of experienced faces as well. Kenny Harris leaves after starting all season at corner and leading the team in pass breakups. But we spoke with Justin Parks on media day. He made three starts last year. Sammy Johnson made seven starts at corner. I don't think either of those guys are necessarily penciled in as starters. They played great ball last year and they're leaders for this team. But I think when you look at some of the guys they brought in, like a Dante Johnson from Incarnate Word, and you look at a Manny Stokes from Coastal Carolina, I think this is going to be one of those units that we've talked about in the past where if you have enough competition, kind of that cream is going to rise to the top and hopefully you get better play through the competition you had during fall camp. I know these guys probably had a handful guarding Corey Rucker and some of these new faces in the offseason. And now we're going to see that all culminate and hopefully see them really roll out with a starting four when you look at their corners and safety positions that can maybe take a step up this season. Coach Jones said they're needing they're needing this group this year to kind of lead their defense and lead the charge, just given their scheme and given how much pressure they put on their cornerbacks. I think they're going to be able to do that. I think this is going to be an improved unit that wasn't necessarily bad last season, but I'm definitely excited to see 
who gets rolled out there as their day one starters. And hopefully if those guys can stay healthy throughout the season, they don't have to rely on their depth as much. But knowing they have it on third down or future down the road for the season, I think will be beneficial for this group. Hey, last thing quickly, Caden. Uh, when you see a top 10 special teams unit, it's worth talking about. That's what this Arkansas State team had a year ago. They were number eight in the country. They were actually number four back in 2021 as well. They got some huge performances from Dominic Zabata last year, the freshman kicker. He was 30 of 31, an extra point, 17 of 18 in terms of field goals. He's back. All Sunbelt punter, though, Ryan Hansen is no longer with the team. He's actually playing at James Madison. They do have William Pristup, who's going to step in to kind of take over that role. But, Kane, the big loss here is Johnny Lang, who had 886 yards and a touchdown as the primary kick returner last year. They won't have him. This group should still be strong this year, but... Kane, it does feel like it might be hard to be in that top 10 for the third straight year, given the loss of Lang. Yeah, you definitely have to shout out this unit for just holding it down for this entire team. The special teams unit was by far the best unit for this squad when you look at their offense, defense, and special teams last season. And I think if they want to improve this season, if they can have that consistency still at special teams and maybe lift up the offense and defense, I think it could really swing games for them. You talk about a guy like Dominic Savada who only missed one extra point and one field goal last year, and that was a 50-yard attempt. 50 plus yard attempt that's going to be huge for this team if this offense is any type of better if this offense can just get in the red zone a little bit more and their defense can improve and keep these games close don't be surprised if Dominic Zavada is keeping this team in games and possibly winning them games with some 50 yard 40 yard 30 yard field goals that can really help this team rally and maybe win some games late and I think in the return game you mentioned Johnny Lang being a loss but Courtney Jackson from Syracuse is a speedster that I do expect to be their primary returner whether it's in the punt game whether it's in the kickoff game, but he's a speedy guy that I think we've heard some good things about as far as his receiving abilities, but he was also a returner at Syracuse at the ACC level. So hopefully that mantle and that torch can kind of be passed down from Lang to Jackson and they can still see similar production in the return game, along with their kicking game, which is going to be solid with Zavada at the helm. A lot of pieces back, a lot of new pieces as well. Certainly hope for some excitement in Jonesboro. Kane, let's talk schedule to wrap up this episode. The over-under for this team's currently sitting at four and a half, according to Las Vegas. Arkansas State's entering their third year under the leadership of Butch Jones. Kane, the Red Wolves begin the year with a major test on the road at Norman. They're going to face Oklahoma, but they'll have some nice opportunities over the next four weeks of the season with three of those games against Memphis, Stony Brook, and Southern Miss at home. They will also have a road matchup sandwiched in there against UMass. Kane, October, though, really is a big month for this team. They're going to travel to Troy on October 7th before playing Coastal Carolina at home two weeks later. They will be coming off of their bye. That is Arkansas State. Um, Then they end October on the road at ULM before welcoming Louisiana to Jonesboro on November 4th. They've got South Alabama and Marshall on the road in the remaining three weeks of the season, but you've also got Texas State sandwiched in between in Week 12 at home. Kane, I don't know about you, but I don't mind this schedule. I do feel like it lays out nicely for Arkansas State. I really do think there are some major opportunities here for A-State, but the question becomes, can they take advantage of those opportunities? How are you feeling, kind of your overall outlook of this squad heading into the season? Yeah, I think when you look at the goals for this team and them trying to improve upon their record, I definitely think that their schedule kind of lends itself to hopefully them having opportunities to improve on that. You mentioned their Week 2 game against Memphis. They typically play Memphis close. I'm not really sure what kind of Memphis team we have this season. We know that's a team that's previously been in the Cotton Bowl, but also had 
some lower moments and playing this team very close. I think that'll be a close game. They should get a win against Stony Brook. But I think when you look at this team improving, it comes down to three games. It comes down to that game against Southern Miss, which they lost to them by one point last year. They have that game at home. It comes down to their game at Texas State later in the season. We don't know what Texas State's going to be, but that's their second to last game. They lost to that team by three points as well last year. That was a close one. That one's at home for them as well. So I think those two games being at home, plus ULM's the only team they've beaten in the conference the past two seasons. They have that game on the road and they have that one circled for sure. So if they can take care of business in those three weeks, pull off some wins, we're going to see an unprecedented season under Butch Jones. The the question is going to be, can they capitalize on those wins, those key competition games as far as who they're kind of paired up with and who they're kind of aligned with in the West? Can they maybe separate themselves, take a step ahead, and in those wins, hopefully prove that they're ready to next year start crawling towards the Troys and the South Alabamas of the West. Yeah, this is definitely a team, Caden, and a fan base that wants to see this team at least take a step forward this year. Could that be getting to four wins, maybe five wins this year? I think that would be huge for confidence levels in head coach Butch Jones. Well, that's going to do it for our Arkansas State preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. A special thank you goes out to A-State head coach Butch Jones as well as Associate Athletic Director Jerry Scott for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. The Prairie and Smith podcast will return on Friday. We'll be releasing our week one preview show where Caden and I are going to break down some of the top matchups around the Sun Belt and make our picks for each of this weekend's games. We're both really excited to get back to talking about some actual football this weekend. One quick final thing. If you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your Sunbelt football-loving friends. If each one of you do that, we'll double the listenership of this podcast. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.